Folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. Holy cow, folks, we made it. It's Monday night. We're here hanging out over Zoom. I have the best freaking job in the world. I get to hang out with my poker pals and talk about poker every Monday night on the Rec Poker Podcast. This is the chats edition of the podcast, but it's going to feel like a bit of a forums edition because the guest this week is kind of the group itself uh, reflecting on uh, some recent experiences in the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas, looking forward to an event at Running Aces that's coming up right around the corner, and uh, maybe taking some general questions from the YouTube chat. And of course, we're going to be giving away a prize tonight, like just like we do every week. And without the one and only Chris Jones, we've got John Somsky running the production booth, and I'm going to pull my own magical dice out here and see if we can roll a couple ones en route to awarding a fantastic prize to a new winner tonight. Uh, so in case I didn't mention it, my name's Jim Reed. I'm Blusterini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. And I'm one of the Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew are the leadership panel here at Rec Poker. And if you want to find out more about me or the rest of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew. Uh, but fear not, if you're not near a phone or a mobile device or a laptop or a desktop or a tablet, um, you can just listen up because you're going to meet a few of the Wrecking Crew members right here, right now on the show. My name is Eric Jin. I am Rec Binkley on Twitter. You can find me playing in the home games as COM Binkley or posting in the forums just as Binkley. And I am John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. So my thanks to everyone on the Wrecking Crew for all their help tonight and every week and month that we uh, put on our, our fun stuff here at Rec Poker. Um, if anyone's having any trouble with any uh, audio issues or anything, just let us know here in the chat. Uh, it is a hard thing. We've got John Somsky sitting in the production booth tonight instead of uh, our Chris Jones, and we're all uh, excited to be here. So I guess I should thank the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino because we're going to be seeing them about a month from now on august 4th and 5th that's a friday saturday it's going to be our next rec poker weekend at running aces which is going to be super fun i'm going to try and come in a day early and stay a day late i was so rushed last time i want to be able to take some time enjoy the state of minnesota um, play some cash hang out with some friends uh, if you're in town or if you're nearby for those two days come out and join us there'll be some social activities there'll be some tournaments we're going to give away a bunch of prizes and of course, anytime there's a rec poker road trip, um, I'll also be bringing the pins with me. So if uh, if you spot me, um, make sure you take five minutes and let's go check the spreadsheet that John Somsky runs, the amazing uh, pin spreadsheet, and see if you can be awarded any pins that you've earned in your time here. So um, I thought a couple things we'd go over tonight. We'd talk a little bit about well, what was going on down the WSOP this year. We had a phenomenal time at the Rec Poker Meetup game at the MGM Grand Casino, uh, which was phenomenal. And um, Eric and I got to go head to head in a couple hands at the cash tables there. Um, I've got some hands from the Monster Stack that I thought would be interesting to go over, and maybe just a couple things that um, you know we learned from our travels, or maybe a couple things that we wish we'd learned. That might make it uh, a little more effective or a little more fun next year. So 
Um, John and Rob, I know you guys were not able to make the trip this year. Um, can I ask you, from the outsider's perspective, was there anything in particular that you missed now that we're, I know it's not over yet. The main event's just kicking off. So some would say that the fun's about to begin, but with the bulk of the World Series in the rearview mirror, is there anything that you feel like, ah, bummer, I missed that, or I can't wait for next year to take advantage of it? What about you, Rob? I'd say the rec poker meetup game would be the thing I miss the most. I think that would have been a, a absolute gas. I mean, you could I could play tournaments anytime, right? I mean, but how often do you get a chance to get together with all these group, this group of people from all over the uh, the world, really? Because there's yeah. people from Canada, Australia, New Zealand, you know, different states. So, yeah, um, that's what I miss the most. Yeah, good one, John. Yeah, I think I would have really enjoyed making it to the Rec Poker meetup as well. Um, I'd like to play again in uh, the seniors tournament i've done that a couple of times yes and i think that you know obviously it must be an easy game if they let me play in it (laughs) you know everyone that i talked to throughout the entire series kept mentioning how much they enjoyed the seniors event like like everybody that that was eligible to play made it sound as though that was the event that they looked forward to more than any other um I looked at the chart. I mean, I looked at the uh, structure sheet. It's it's a very similar structure to all the other um, bracelet events of that type. Uh, what makes it so fun and and cool and interesting? Like, what is it about the the that tournament itself that stands out? I think first of all, the people who play it are, let's just say, more mature than <laughs> uh, your average uh, player in the other tournaments, and. You know, similar to the ladies event or some of the other specialized events, they're really there to have fun and to enjoy themselves. So it really is more of a, you know, everyone getting together to have fun as opposed to being a um, cutthroat type of game. And on the senior side, you know, some of them are just happy they're still able to play and don't know how many more shots they're going to get. So (laughs) there you go. Yeah. I think when you take away the European players with hoodies and headphones um, and all the seriousness, you end up with a bunch of old timers that just want to sit around and have some fun. And I think that's, I think that's really what it's all about. And I think you're, there's a comfort level there too, for senior players. Because, you know, a lot of the bigger events are filled with, like I say, younger, uh, young guns that are out there to try to win a bracelet, try to steal your soul or whatever it is, you know. So (laughs) I think it's uh, I think it's kind of a nice change of pace. Yep, I believe it. Uh, We got some comments in from the chat here. Um, Donna saying that, uh, yeah, hello all. Hi, Donna. WSOP has got your sleep pattern screwy. <laughs> You're not alone, Donna. Holy cow. Um, I guess that's one of the things we can talk about um, as we kind of review what, what the series was like. I found it really hard to sleep down there. This was the longest I'd been down in a row. I think it was 16 or 17 days in a row. And I did not take a break halfway through just to sleep all day or get out to the desert or something like that. So that was one lesson that I learned was if you're going to be down there for more than a week and a half, really take that day in the middle and just 
get get caught up on your sleep. I found I don't know if it was the excitement or the lights or the sounds, um, but it was hard for me to get more than like five hours sleep in a row. And uh, that definitely caused me to uh, that definitely caused me to lose some focus at the tables later. And there was one there was one event um, near the end of the trip it was the last day I was starting tournaments. It was the uh, Salute to Warriors event where I'm pretty sure I was actually nodding off at the table. So, um, you know, you're giving up an edge when you're when you're only <laughs> conscious for a portion of the hands. That's going to make it a little harder to uh, to uh, crush souls. Um, so that was one thing. So I think something as simple as maybe bringing down like a sleep mask and some earplugs uh, might have actually like improved my ROI, as crazy as that sounds. Um, it's also so dry. They've got the air conditioning running in the hotels and in the conference rooms and everything that maybe even like a little travel humidifier. I mean, I, I guess I'm just officially an old person now. These are the kind of things that I'm like, oh, no, I need my comfort humidifier when I travel down to Las Vegas. Uh but I, you know, I was waking up in the middle of the night, all dry and and um, congested, and you know, like not feeling great. And uh, you know, I think that it contributes. It contributes to not being fresh and sort of not being sharp. You don't qualify for the seniors event, right? So I do you not. you cannot officially be <laughs> called old yet. <laughs> okay, I think that's probably true. Although there's some salt in the pepper, you know, Zoom does a good job yeah. of hiding You've it. You've got but, like uh... nine more years before you're even qualified <laughs> yeah. to get in the seniors. So, so you young pup. I think a, a more appropriate word might just be wimp rather than. <laughs> oh yes, John. Yeah, I like that's it. Fair. I like it, John. I would take that. I would, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. <laughs> I definitely felt like it. I didn't feel, I did not feel like I was at my best. Um, that's for sure. Donna says a bowl of water in the room works. That's a great idea. Um, just to have it sort of contributing to the, yeah. uh, to the humidity level in the room. That makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, uh, there was one guy at one of our tables, uh, 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 uh an actual old fellow. Um, I don't think he'd, complain that I was describing him as old. He was older than every anyone on this panel. Yes, including you. Uh well, including all three of you. <laughs> <laughs> including me. Yeah, including you, Eric. Oh, yeah. Okay. Even and, you, Eric. <laughs> and he had um he had a whole like he had some gear that he brought with him to make sure he was comfortable. He had like a a, a cushion to sit on because some of the seats in the uh, in the ballroom aren't particularly comfortable. He had another inflatable cushion to put like behind his back so that he'd be he'd be able to like keep his posture. Um, I thought that was really smart. I mean, one of the things that you got to do is just like know what you need, right? Like I, I, the more I do these, the more I do these trips, the more I realize like, yeah, it would be great if I could just come down there and be an Android and just not need anything and, and power fully on. But Knowing what you need, knowing what you're, is going to give you a little extra edge, um, I thought that was that was pretty savvy. Um, a couple other rules or a couple other things that that we haven't mentioned. We talk, we do sort of these WSOP prep episodes uh, every year or two. One of the things that uh, didn't make the cut this year or that we didn't know in time uh, when you get a table change. So when you when you register, you get a slip with your table number and your seat number on it. And you go and you go to that table and you've got this physical copy of where you're supposed to be. So after break, you know where to go. When they break the tables, um, you just get sent to a new table with a table card and you don't you no longer have that hard copy. 
So this didn't come up with me, but one person did mention, I thought this was a good enough idea to mention it on the show, take a photo. So take a photo of your seat card or take a photo just before you go, just look up and take a photo of the uh, table sign above your table so that when you come back from break, you know where you're going to be because some people definitely didn't do that. And you're, you're wandering a room with, I mean, it's not hyperbole to say like a thousand poker tables. Um, it's going to be hard to find that spot. Eric, yeah, you're not in your head. Yeah, I, I, I can gef- definitely see that. Um, and I did, th- I did hear of that. I didn't actually take a picture because, because I did text somebody to say, Hey, I'm at this new table. Ah. So I, was like, I was like, Oh, you know, if I forget, I'll, I'll know I text somebody so I can look back on my text, but yeah, yeah. Some, somewhere on your phone or that to record it. That's somewhere. a good one. And there have been more than one stories of someone to coming back and finding someone else playing mm. their stack, <laughs> you know, when they get, mm-hmm. if they get back a little bit late from break. So you got to be careful of that. Yeah. Cause it's not just you that might be confused, right? Someone else might be confused right. and end up at, in your seat. Um, so that was one thing. The other thing I would say is, you know, take a photo of your chips. When you go on break, take a photo of your chips before you go on the color up break. Um, I don't know if they're admissible, if it gets to the point of having some, you know, issue, but it's it's just got to help. It's got to help having a little extra evidence on your side. If you can do well, like think, a timestamp or something, that probably yeah, be better. I, I think if you if you are concerned about that and you come back and realize that your chip stack is inaccurate you can go to the dealer and they'll call the floor and yeah at the least if they're you know if you're convinced enough and you show them a picture they can go back to the cameras and look to see what happened because the cameras are playing all the time so yep. yeah yeah if anything i'm i'm taking a picture i'm going to post it on some social media anyway, or for my own yeah. records. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's, uh, that's a habit that I, I, I don't know. I have to kind of decide how involved in social media I want to get for me. Social media is Twitter. I just love the hellscape. Apparently we'll see how long we have it. Um, but I, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm a pretty active tweeter at the tables. And so I tend to, you know, like Eric's saying my table number, my chip stack, those are usually going out before break anyway. Because I want people to be sending the run good to the right seat. You know, that sometimes that's been a problem where I've changed tables. They're still sending the run good to the old table, and then I'm not getting it at the new table. And that's how you bust tournaments, folks. It's just that simple. You need to make sure the run good's going to the correct seat. Um, but I also I kind of struggle a bit, and I'd love to know your your take on this gang. Um the you know, the more you're into that. There's an element of you just don't have as much focus to be paying attention to what's actually happening at the table. Is there like a perfect balance to be struck there? Or should we just have our phones away and just be paying attention only to the table all the time? What do people think about that? So one thing I noticed, um, some dealers are actually I had one deal that stood out and he was a and he was correct. He was a real stickler about phones away, you know. He was like, as he dealt, it's like, hey, phone's down because, you know, yep. everybody is involved in the hand. Once you're at, you know, fold, then, you, you know, you can pick up your phone. But he was real good about a reminding real stickler about that, which I think was good. And but unfortunately, it's inconsistent. Some some dealers mm-hmm. don't 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 care about that. But I was just wanted to put that in. It does slow the game down uh, when everyone's got their phones out and have to, you know, take that extra time to put it down and, you know, deal with their cars. John? Yeah, I th- I think it really matters on the type of person you are. There are some people 
who by getting into the community aspect, in other words, sharing their things on social media and interacting them, that energizes them and allows them to, to play better. Um, for me, I find it more of a distraction. Mm-hmm. So I don't tend to do a lot of social media when I am playing because otherwise I will tend to get start playing on autopilot, you know, and not really thinking through uh, my hands. And I played enough poker that it is super easy for me to play on autopilot, but I don't play super well on autopilot. <laughs> so I really do need to be concentrating. That makes sense. Yeah. I think I, I generally on breaks, I might, you know, send an update to people that know I'm playing and are interested. Other than that, I'm not on social media at all during during the playing session. You know, if I pick up my phone, it's generally to take a note of what's going on at the table. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually one thing I want to talk about, Rob, because you're so good at taking notes at the table, paying attention to the action, making notes on players. Um, I, I this isn't hyperbole. I often I think like, OK, how can I be more like Rob when I'm getting ready for a live <laughs> event? I do. And I'm like, okay, like what are the kind of notes that Rob's going to be taking? Because you're always, you have this excellent recall about the details of the hand. So I was doing some reporting for uh, poker.org on the trip. And I was really struggling with coming up with interesting hands because by the time you realize that the hand is going to be interesting, it's already too late to start paying attention. So you really have to have been paying attention the whole time. And I realized that I actually don't pay that much attention at the beginning of the hand. Like maybe I'll get a sense, oh, that guy opened, but I'm not really noting exactly what size they open to, which is dumb because some people change it up and you really should be paying attention to that. And, you know, I was I was like starting to pay attention on the flopper on the turn. But I wouldn't know, you know, who is the proof, who is the preflop raiser, if it's multi-way or like, you know, who had um, who had uh, taken what action on the flop or something like that. Rob, I wanted to ask you specifically. So, so like, how how do you how do you do that? Do you actually just like maintain focus the entire time? How do you know when it's time to start paying attention to a hand? Uh, or what what are some tricks of the trade that allow you to take such excellent notes that are applicable and accurate without just draining the battery of your brain uh, the whole time. (laughs) Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's just wrote. It just happens and you don't really need to take, take note of it. What I typically do is look for variations of what I think is GTO, you know, because we, everything today is GTO. We're studying GTO. So you look at, you look at people's opening (laughs) sizes. If they're opening something that I wouldn't open, I take note of it. I go, okay, mm-hmm. what is where is this guy coming from? Because you know, I'm looking at it from all of the books that we've done, all the GTO study we've done. Here's here's what I think would be the proper bet size according to Michael Acevedo. You know, <laughs> so, right? So when somebody's not doing that, I'm wondering, okay, what is he doing? Why is he doing it? And then. Anytime, you know, if you get a couple of limpers and then somebody raises to three big blinds, you go, well, what is he trying to accomplish with that three big blinds? Does he just know that he's supposed to open? And so he's just opening his normal size. He's not paying attention to the fact that there's limpers. So I look for those oddities. I don't look for the standard stuff so much. 
if I see a guy opening two and a half, the big blinds calling, you know, it's a standard bread and butter spot and the big blind gets a flop like ace queen seven and he bets, you know, you know, he's going to bet a hundred percent of the time at a small sizing. And then the big blind folds, you go, okay, that's standard. No, no big deal. So I'm always looking for the things that are not standard and I'm taking note of that more than the other stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, because if it's well, mo- mostly what we're looking to do is to, we're going to assume that people are acting normally because that's what our, that's what our, so that's what our assumptions typically lead us to do. And then the question is, we just need to pay attention when they deviate from that norm and, right. and, you know, in what, in which direction and that kind of thing. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, and I, I did enjoy that. I enjoyed um, submitting some hands to uh, poker.org's uh, first-hand hands program. It's the first year they're doing that. And uh, that was that was cool. Um, had some fun stories coming out on the poker table. Folks can go check that out. Um, I, I documented most of my stuff on Twitter. So if people want to go, I'm at Rec Poker Gym and scroll back for a couple of weeks. You'll see a lot of posts around uh, hands in the tournaments or uh, various stories or fun things that I enjoyed. Uh, when I was down there, so folks, folks can check that out. Um, a couple other another thing that yeah, I Rob, do when yeah. I'm when I'm logging uh, my tournaments. Yes, I'll start at the beginning of the tournament. I'll put in what my chip stack is and what the blinds are, mm. and then I'll you know if there's something interesting happens, I'll put a little, I'll put a little note of what happened. You know, if there's a big hand or something, and yeah. if nothing happens, well, the next thing on my on my one note will be what my stack is at the next blind level. And then every blind level, I just kind of update. And then in between, if there's any interesting hands, I can put them in and I don't have to concern myself with my note of saying what the blinds are, what my stack size are, because I've already gotten that at the beginning of each blind level. I love that. So that's kind of how I I can go back and and track how I did throughout the tournament and what, what, you know, big things have happened. Yeah, I do it similarly. I I use uh, my notes app in my phone. And I'll make a new app for each. Or I'll make a new note for the tournament that I'm in. And then, like you say, Rob, I just put when the blinds go up, I write them in. And if there's a hand that blind level, it appears there. And if there isn't, I'll, you just see the next blind level. And that's mm-hmm. that's great. It helps helps to keep them organized. And you never have to worry about the actual chips uh, counts um, pre-flop, which, which does make it easier. Um, a couple other things that you know, they occur to us every year where we're down there, but I'll just say, table your hand. Just table your hand every time, even if it's bluffing, even if, you know, you know, you didn't win. Um, I saw a few people get really upset because someone else tabled and they thought they folded, so they mucked. But then they like looked more closely at their opponent's cards and realized they had like a bigger two pair or something like that. Once they're mucked, they're mucked. Um, so table your cards. And the, the other part of that would be verbalize your action. I saw several times, especially in the Paris room, the 100s, the 500s, and the 5,000s were all like a dark brown or a dark red or a black. And they looked very, very similar. And there were a few times where someone put out 5,000 chips saying that they were 500 chips. Eric said, Eric said, yeah, he's one of them. He's one of them. Yeah. It happens to the best of it. I mean, I've done it. I did it last year. Um, And it was that thing where I actually actually had aces 
And so people thought I was angling because I'd used the bigger chips, but it, I was just flustered and and picked the wrong chip size. Eric, what was your situation? Yeah, it, it's funny because at our table, again, it was, um, I played the uh, seniors deep stack. Well, you're, wait, you're not old enough and, to play the seniors. Oh, yeah, I uh, am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when I, 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 I sat at the table, the guy next to me looked at me, he's like, you're 50. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm older than 50. Not much older, but I'm older than 50. <laughs> so you had, you but had we, we they, yeah. So they were just taught, we were just talking about, you know, the, about the colors. And what I noticed, like on these chips right there, there's these just subtle, it's one's, one's like tan, one's brown, one's like orange, tan, like close. And on the chip, it's in big letters it says WSOP. And then right. smallest, the smallest of letters, it says 100, 500, 5,000. And yeah, we, it, we had just did it. And, and I threw out, uh, and then I, I was like, I hate when I misclick live. It's yeah, just, the live misclick. The live misclick. And everybody's <laughs> looking at me. And, you know, after everybody folded, because I, you know, I made it this ridiculous 10x pot. That right, <laughs> they're like, we were just talking about that. I was like, yeah, I I know. And later on, I did it with aces opening. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 when it happens, you have to like pretend it's on purpose, right? You have to like try and pull it off in real well, time. I mean, so yeah, that... you, there's nothing for you to <laughs> do, really. Is <laughs> right, Easy you to pre- say, oh shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it does happen, folks. But if you if you verbalize it, then it doesn't matter what color chips you put out. If you just say raise to fifteen hundred, if you throw five, if you throw three five thousand chips out, it it it's still a raise to fifteen hundred. Um so that's that's just one, just verbalize. And if you're, you know, sometimes if you're worried about like giving away a level of excitement or stress in your voice, you know, then I guess there's an argument. But then just, you know, look really closely at the chips in those moments. I think my my biggest thing is I forget about the one chip rule sometimes. Yeah. And I'm going to go to raise and I'll throw in the chip to raise. And then as it's hitting the felt, I go, oh, raise. (laughs) Yeah, of course, somebody sees that the chip hit the felt before I said raise. So now they're going to tell me that I can't raise. Yeah. And it's like, okay, all right, fine. Yeah, it's a call. I learned that my very, very, very first WSOP experience. I uh, still do it sometimes. God, uh, it just drives me crazy. Well, because I was an online player and, and I was like, I put in, you know, it's 5,000 and the blinds are 1,000. Obviously, it's a raise. And they're like, okay, call. I'm like, what? No. And they're yeah. and they you know people at the table explain to me I'm like uh yep yeah and, so and let's that, explain let's let's explain to the folks at home so just in case you're not sure what we're talking about here so in order to speed up play like there's there's reasons there's good reasons for all these rules um, sometimes the reasons why get lost over time um, but it, they're usually to remove um, angling from the game to remove ambiguity and to speed the game along so if if the if the blinds are uh 250 500 and or well that's a bad example 200 500 because that's a level that actually exists <laughs> then um if you throw in one chip higher than the a bet it's considered a call 
no matter if it's a 5,000 chip or a 25,000 chip, if you just throw one chip in, it's considered a call. And that makes it easy for the dealer to just continue the action. They can make change when you need to. So um, if if you're trying to raise to 1,000 and you put in a 1,000 chip, you actually have to say raise because otherwise it'll be taken as a call. Similarly, if you put in um, you know, two 1,000 chips, then that would be a raise to 2,000 because you're putting in multiple chips. Uh, but that's that's one. And then the, the opposite side of that is the string bet, which I saw a couple times as well. And just like Eric's talking about, so this was player in the tag team event, someone who was obviously an experienced player, but like they were savvy. They had talked about like equity. They, they knew how much, how many outs they needed for something. They were, they were an experienced player, but I, I guarantee you they were online experienced because they were kind of clumsy with their chips and the mechanics of playing live, which is something that I think we all kind of go through as we're learning live, whether it's, whether we played online or not. And the string bet, is the sort of people say, I call and I raise you, or they put in that first chip and then they put in more <laughs> chips. And that is not I'll allowed. I'll see your 500. And <laughs> that's right. The, the Rob yeah, that's from, them, from the. They saw from that the, in a movie once. So they yes, used exactly. It at the poker table. And that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were having some fun with yeah. that in the meetup game with, uh, with Rob. But Rob's, Rob's such a pro. He's like, I see your 500 and then he'd allow this pause. And then I would like, oh, that's it. That's all the action. Because <laughs> you know, he knows, he knows you can't do a string bet. So similarly, if you like reach over the, the, the bet line with, or the pass line with a bunch of chips in your hand, you're not allowed to just like slowly drip them down onto the table and then stop uh, when you start to see a negative reaction from your opponent. Um, so it has to be kind of clear emotions Again, if you're not going to verbalize, use the exact number of chips that that you use to that you intend to use, and um, that's just another way that we kind of remove some ambiguity, remove some angle shooting from the game. Almost all the time these days, it's an accident when something like that happens or an oversight. Uh, but but there are rules against it to protect the security of the game. Um, so we're getting some fun comments here in the chat, Gibber. The real Jim says, yeah, that Nevada climate is dry. I have to constantly drink water. That would be another tip. Um, make sure you get that water bottle filled. So I, I was traveling with mine and they, they were really good. They had water out at all the all the uh, tournament spaces. So you could go fill your bottle and uh, don't be shy about that. I would say that's definitely something to stay on top of. Um, Luke O. Driscoll, I, I expect, says, I've seen people take a selfie from the table uh, of the stack with them behind it. Yep, that's perfect. That makes sense too. Um, especially if you can like include the tournament clock somehow in that or something like that. I can see that would be even more um, helpful. Ben says he tried to like every tweet. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ben. That's awesome. Um, Luke says one of the Wrecking Crew once mentioned an app or a keyboard that was good for note taking. Um, we did talk about that in um, one of the forums editions. It was Kim Kilroy. And it's the hand history keyboard. And if you go to the app store, it's free. HH keyboard is the name of it. If you download it and install it, then you can natu- you can use it in all the different apps that you use to take notes in. And it's got like clubs and spades and hearts and diamonds and like river and turn yeah. stuff like that. I, I think there's more than one version of it, or, mm. you know, that because I saw Kim's and I had one that was just slightly different. So mm. there, I think there might be more than one available, but it's, yeah, 
go go search it out. Definitely it's, it's useful. Definitely worthwhile to download it. It's free. I yeah. personally use OneNote because with OneNote, I can access it on my PC and on my phone. So it automatically will upload into the cloud and I can just call it up on my PC. So when I'm looking later on to do some analysis, it's very easy to do on my PC. Nice. So that's why I like to use an uh, app like OneNote. Good thinking. John, did you have something there? I did earlier, but now I uh, I can't right. remember so much. Keep keep fishing. Oh, keep I, fishing. I remember. I was just going to mention that when you're playing live, you have to be aware of where you're playing and ask about specific rules. For example, oh yeah, at some places, if you bring <laughs> chips in your hand and bring them forward, then that entire chip stack is your bet. You are not allowed to cut out chips and bring anything back. Where I play here in Minnesota, I typically am able to bring out a stack, cut some out, and then uh, say the amount. When in doubt, just verbalize your action before you do anything, because then that will take precedent. And if you accidentally say uh, five million when it's you know one thousand, two thousand level, and no one has five million chips, the dealer will allow you to correct yourself then. Whereas if you just uh, are putting the chips out then you're kind of stuck with whatever action you happen to take. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple other questions from Luke here in the chat, and this is right in what we're talking about tonight. So um, he said tips for note-taking or recommended apps, that kind of thing. Um, I think it kind of depends what you're taking notes for. So if it's something like this where I'm taking notes on hands because I want to review them later or share them with my friends or bring them on the pod or take them to a coach or something, then I like this way that we're doing it here. Um, using a note app and kind of putting the blinds for each level in. Uh, I think what, how, whatever whatever app you use for that, that's that's a good way to do it. If you're playing cash games, then you're typically going to be taking notes on players more than on hands because you're going to be playing. I mean, depending on the game, what what a lot of the times when I play cash, I'm I'm hoping to be playing with these players again. So uh, I try and make notes that'll make it easier for me to remember how to play with them. I actually use um, an app called Trello for that because you get individual cards that you can kind of put in a column. And so I've got, I play in a, in a, a home game near me, well, not near enough me, but closer than Niagara or Montreal. That's all I'll say about that. And um, there's a lot of regular players in there. So when I get seated at a table, I can just pull up the eight cards that are to do with those players. And then boom, they're right there in front of me. I don't have to go scrolling through a whole notes app to get to the notes I have on that particular player. So um, that works for me. But uh, um, you know, what mostly matters is that it's something that you find helpful, that it's easy for you to use that you're naturally inclined to use. Cause if you don't use it, it won't, no matter how rigorous it is, it won't, uh, it won't be helpful. Um, yeah, I, think I find that, um, very true. When I'm playing in a tournament, I'm not so much concerned about taking notes on the players because you're bound to get changed. Your table is right. going to get changed and, you know, you're going to be seeing a whole new group of players. So you're more concerned about hands and just taking mental notes on players. But then I used to play at the same um, place all the time up in Grand Casino Malax when they used to have tournaments every every day. And I was playing against the same people all the time. 
So I would be st- taking notes on people in those tournaments rather than hands that I played, mm. because I know I was going to see these people again next weekend and the next weekend. Yep. Anytime I played, I'd see the same people. So it depends on, on what your action is, what you're trying to take note of the people or the hands. And that'll kind of give you an idea of how to take notes. Yep. Uh, Luke says he uses a note program, but he's not mastered a shorthand method and it's clumsy and time consuming. Yeah. So I, I think a, a hand history keyboard might help with that, Luke. And then just, just doing it more, just getting more reps in, um, that'll help as well. You know, the shorthand, you're the only one that needs to understand it. So be as brief and short as you need to make it go quickly. Um, and for you to be able to recall it, just try and make sure that like you get the numbers right, you get the suits right. Um, you can probably put the pieces together yourself afterwards. Another tip would be make pretty bare bones notes at, while you're at the table, but allocate some time at the end of the tournament to actually review your notes and fill in the details. Then you're probably still going to have some of that information fresh in your mind. But if you go to sleep and wake up the next morning, it's going to be too late to put all the details down at that point. So if you don't, if you feel like it's too draining or taxing to be doing a real robust reporting job, in real time, just put a skeleton down there and give yourself permission to fill it in at the end of the night. But then you go make sure you do that, even if you're feeling dumb or angry because you busted, which is what happens like 85 <laughs> to 90% of the time we enter these tournaments, right? So um, that was another thing, I guess. It, you just have to remember how frequently losing is a part of this tournament schedule. I mean, you get your head around it, you know, only 10 to 15% of the players get paid. So 85 to 90% of the time you just bust with nothing. Um, but it's one thing when like you have a rough weekend to play three or four tournaments and you bust them all and you're like, oh, it's various. <laughs> you know, but when you're down there for a full stretch, just I mean, most people are just gonna go bust, 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 min cash, bust, bust, bust. Like it it can be a pretty uh um, negatively reinforcing experience if you're not really, uh, really prepared for it. Um, so you really have to, you, you're going to, you're going to know by the time you get back, if you didn't know by the time you got down there, just what that, what that can entail. And it can be, it can be a little tough. Um, some other comments here from the chat. A lot of people commiserating with us, Eric, uh, about having made those mechanical errors uh, you know, string bets or or misclicks, live misclicks at the table. Those are always those are always fun. Yeah, Ben says, I think it's an initiation playing live, putting in one chip, thinking it's a raise. Yeah, I think that's a good way of thinking about it, Ben. Now you're you're officially part of the club. Um, Phil says, I get tilted when someone brings out a full stack and only bets a couple. Right, like when they bring forward a big stack of chips, they drop a couple in and then they pull it back. Uh, yeah, and that's another thing to to look at from room to room, like like John was pointing out. Um, some of the uh, another thing we're talking about tournaments mostly, but at the cash tables as well, straddle rules will differ widely from casino to casino, and some of them are pretty weird. Like some of them having to do with what positions can or can't, or does the action start on the small blind or under the gun after, or like does it skip the straddle if there's not a raise in front or. Um, you know, like there's a lot of different ways, uh, that that can be organized. So that would be another thing to just ask, ask your room. Um, cause everyone has, everyone has their own, uh, their own rules there. Uh, Donna says <laughs> my notes would be, um, explicit notes, 
um, deadhead, etc. Yes, yes, that's right. Hey, that kind of stuff can help too. You know, we we have to put people in boxes. Um, Phil says my brain doesn't work fast enough to write down notes during a tournament. Um, I think, I mean, none of our brains work that fast. Uh, but I think your even your brain, Phil, works fast enough to be able to jot down a couple details of it just to to flesh them out later. And if if you were someone who did have any friends then maybe you could share them uh, with some friends afterwards. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's actionable for you in particular, Phil, uh, but maybe one day keep it up, you know, keep being nice to people. Um, Gibber says, bus, bus, bus too soon, Jim. Yep. I hear you, buddy. Uh, and Donna says, hand history for me is a nope. Can't even remember my name sometimes. <laughs> Never mind remembering where I've left my keys, phone and classes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but that's why you need the notes. That's why you need the notes because because our our minds are terrible narrators. Like when um when I get when I get back from a session, you know maybe a couple hands if I'm feeling real salty about how they turned out, they'll be burned into my brain. Maybe Eric and I can get into one of those a little later. But um, otherwise, I definitely need to be making some notes or else uh, or else I'm not going to remember. Um, the one other thing that occurred to me, well, there's two, I guess. Uh, the one thing was in these MTTs. You're always racing the clock, um, unless they're like one hour levels. And if you go back to at Rec Poker Gym, you'll get a sense of how much I enjoy one hour levels, those sexy, sexy one hour levels. But if they're unless they're one hour levels, they're the the blinds are going to go up faster than you than you think, and you're kind of racing to maintain a stack that has fold equity, and it's easy to get into the trap where. You're playing, you know, you don't want to be reckless. You're waiting for your spot. You've got 25 big blinds, so there's no rush. And then you get down to the blinds go up. And now you've got, you know, 19 big blinds. And then you go card dead for like two orbits. And now you've got 14 big blinds. And now you don't have any fold equity. And you actually have to have a good hand if you're going to shove. Because otherwise, like, people are not going to be afraid to snap you off. Um, and eliminate you from the tournament. So I would say one thing that that people should remember is to, you know, don't don't be so conservative when you've got that 20 to 25 big blind stack. Um, don't be afraid to dust it off there, because if you don't take a shot there, you're going to be soon in the point where you really have to make a hand and making a hand is the toughest way to win a hand in poker. Um so you don't want to put yourself at the mercy of the of the poker gods that much. Rob, you look like you've got I, something I, to. I think Phil Hellmuth would take exception to that. Oh, he's the, given... he's the master of the short stack, and if you re, if you read the news lately, he just made his seventeenth World Series of Poker bracelet. Amazing, yeah. Yesterday, so yeah. But he's a short stack ninja kind of guy, and I don't think he would agree with you that you, he's he waits for. He waits for the right spot to do it. He's not just going to arbitrarily say, oh, I got an ace. They got 20 big blinds. Let's go. Right. You know, so it, I think you, yeah, there's different. And I guess it depends on your competition too, who you're up against. But, um, but I don't know. I, I, I think there's times when you can uh, wait for those spots. You don't have to be overly aggressive when you're at 20 big blinds. But I know what you're saying. There's times where you're in a turbo and you want to get, you know, you, you need to make something happen. But I just I just want to caution people. It might not necessarily be the right way to go. 
No, I appreciate that. And, and I don't mean to say take a, uh, a negative EV spot, but if it's one that you're sort of on the fence about, you know, should I or shouldn't I? Um, yeah, just just make, look up at the tournament clock and see how much time you've got left. Uh, because once you do get short, um, as Rob is saying here, I think, you know, you can there's a lot there's good ways to play a short stack, but most of them involve having a good hand. Um, once you get short like that, you just you just lose some of the fold equity that then you really do have to be patient. You really do have to um, wait for an actual, you know, big plus EV spot because you're just not going to be able to add that kind of fold equity to it. Um, some other uh, fun stuff in the chat here. Yeah, I know, Phil, you're right. Actually, Phil did say something nice about me on Twitter yesterday. I should be nicer to him. Or else he'll stop doing that and go back to the normal, the normal Phil stuff. But I did appreciate that, Phil. Thank you. I'm glad that you enjoyed the peanut butter and jam sandwich updates. That did not go uh, unnoticed. Yeah, and Donna says make sure you fold Jack's pre. That's a pretty good rule. That's how Jim Gibson and I busted <laughs> the uh, the tag team event. A player opened in early position. We shoved. I shoved over top and got called by kings and aces behind me. Um, <laughs> which is not exactly what you hope to see when you get to roll over pocket jacks. Uh, did, did you look left before acting? Um, not enough. I didn't look, I didn't look closely enough because I bet one of these guys was indicating <laughs> that they were interested. Um, another good note. Look Holding left. his cards and with yeah. a stack of chips in his hand. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of an indication. That yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a good point, especially in an event like the tag team, which is a pretty soft field, I find, because all the, you know, a lot of good poker players are playing with their significant others or their brother or their sister or their buddy or something like that. Um, so there's definitely some some edges to be had there. Um, yeah, Gibber says the tag team was the only tournament I was in that I didn't bust. Bazing! Yes, I took I took that I took that mantle on for team uh, J squared, unfortunately. Um uh, so Jim was consistently bringing chips together. I, 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 he'd take a seat, put a bunch of chips together. He'd go take a take a break, and I'd sit down, lose a few, maybe get some of them back. You know, it was generally we were both doing okay. But every time I sat down, I had more chips than when I'd left because Jim Gibber, Jim Gibson was really doing his doing his magic there. You know, you probably do a lot better if you just any hand that you're going to lose, fold pre. And that's a good idea. The- that's a really good idea. I should I should what, be what employing that told more you that there, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's just common sense. Yeah. In fact, as I'm so fond of saying, all you really if you just win every flip when you're the short stack, you don't even have to get greedy. You don't even have to win the flips when you're the big stack. But if you just always win the flips when you're the short stack, uh, things are going to go pretty well for you. Like you really focus on winning those. If you had to pick, those would be the pots that are really most important. Well, most important you should points. be a little more precise because it's not necessarily flips. You want to win all of the all ins. All ins, yes. Right, because you may be dominated. Yeah. So, but Great you need point. to win all of the all ins. Great point. Yes, thanks. That's or really you point. may be dominating, and uh, those don't always work out the same way you like. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. True. <laughs> Very true. Very true. And yeah, congratulations to to Phil Helmuth. I guess my second favorite Phil. There you go uh, on his seventeenth uh, bracelet. I'd be excited if I was you as well, uh, Philip Razor. Um, okay, so the last thing that. Uh, 
I wanted to, this is something that, that I wish I had maintained in my mind the whole time, because this did come up a couple of times. As you get short stacked, you sort of look down at your hand and you're like, oh, this is the hand. This is the time I'm going to shove. I've got a pocket pair or I've got, you know, a decent ace or, or you know, really like king queen or something like that. And then, and then the action starts and someone or someone or a couple people take an action in front of you and you're already primed to put your chips in the middle because like you've already decided this is the hand but it's it doesn't have to be the hand <laughs> like if someone if you've got the perfect hand to open shove but someone opens in front of you that doesn't mean you've got the perfect hand to three dot shove and just because you've got like pocket jacks and this is you you've decided you're going to put your last 18 big blinds in if someone opens under the gun and someone else three bets them like you, you, you're allowed to fold and, and wait for a better spot in some of these in some of these spots. Like I was in a spot where it was open under the gun, three bet from early position, cold four bet from middle position, and I had jacks and I just like happily threw them into the muck. I wasn't going anywhere near that mess. Um, but there was another spot where I had uh, pocket threes, and I was getting really short and I was in late position, and I was like. This is the hand. I've just I've been waiting. I hadn't had a hand in like four orbits or something. I was just going to steal some blinds and and then someone opened in early position. And I was just like, all right, well, this is my hand. Let's go. And it was just it. I didn't have to take that chance. I did end up losing the hand. Um, they had two overs, so it was like the best possible scenario for me. But like I put myself in a position where the best possible scenario is I'm flipping against two overs, and all, every other hand they have is a pocket pair, and I'm crushed, and they're never folding. So it was just it just wasn't the right the right way to do it. So so the advice that I've given before, I wish I'd taken myself is, you can look at your cards when you if you want to early, but don't get married to an action. And what you really should be doing is not really looking at your cards at all. Heaven forbid you give away some tell to the rest of the table about how excited you are or not excited you are. But <clears throat> also, it kind of taints your analysis of the action as well so i think the best way to play poker is to observe the action and then decide what is the range of hands that i would take a call with uh, what are the range of hands i would take a raise with and then look down and see is your hand in one of those ranges and if it's not don't like pretend that it's a good idea to take that action with it just because you wanted to um this is how like Nate Mavis used to talk about um, the poker poker playing, you know, look down, uh, see the action, decide what range of hands would be best, and then look at your cards and see if they fit into that range. Um, it's, 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 it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of work. Yeah. Discipline. And you have to actually like build <laughs> the ranges in your mind. Um, but that's good. Well, I think, too. I think when we play in a lot of the small tournaments, you get you get into the habit of just looking at your cards and not even worrying about it because nobody's looking at you. You're not looking at right. anybody else. It's just like we're all just sitting around having fun, throwing chips around. But then you get in that WSOP environment where people are paying attention. Mm -hmm. So now you have to do your due diligence and perform like they would. In other words, wait till the action's on you before you even look at your cards. Eric? I don't well entirely agree. I th I, th I think there's choice. I mean, there's arguments 
for it. There's arguments both ways. The thing is, if you wait until the action's on you, they're guaranteed to be looking at you. <laughs> yes. yes. Right? But if you do it early, middle, you know, but somebody may or may not be looking at you. Uh, I guess the way I treat it is, um, you know, we... You know, we all play online. It's it's good practice. You know, whether whether or not, you know, you you think of yourself more as an online or or live player. You know, it's it's good practice to do online. How many of us don't look at the cards? Wait until the action's on us on online. So for me, I have more reps of I see, I know I know my hand, and then I watch the action. So for me, that feels natural. Yeah, yeah. I think the important part is just to make sure that you are taking in all of the information prior to finalizing your decision. And one way, a crutch that people can use when playing live to help with that is by adding your cards as the last piece of information, because then you're more likely to take in everything else. And I think for me, I kind of need that crutch sometimes because you know me, my my chips are like magnetically attracted to the middle of the table. So I will often find myself like shoehorning my hand into a range that it might not might be a real tight squeeze for it to really get into that range, if you know what I'm saying. Um, where if I had like already decided, maybe I would let myself off the hook there and just, you know, grumble fold um, instead of instead of calling or. Um, instead of raising or something so maybe that's more of a gym thing but i think you're right and eric to eric's point as well you know if you look earlier you also have more time to decide you have more time to think about what are the actions that you could take um you know maybe you're going to use that time if you're thinking oh like this is a good three bet bluff candidate then you know maybe someone opens in front of you and you got a little more time to think oh that guy's been opening a lot you know um I can, I've got a blocker. I, I don't know. There's definitely arguments for both, but it was one thing I wish I just need to get a little better at not deciding when I look down, like how that hand's going to go. Um, I think, I think one of the, one of the issues that um, we're, we haven't talked about is how you react after you've seen your cards. Because mm. if you look at your cards and you look down, and you got two, seven, well, you're just standing there waiting to fold, right? You're not right. really. So, are you stoic enough in every instance that nobody else can get a read on what your potential action may be? You sit there with aces and all of a sudden you sit up straight and you're going looking around, you're looking at your chips. How many do I got? How many has he got? I'm going to get some chips, you know, or you got two seven and you're standing there with your cards in your hand, waiting to fold and put them in the flop yeah. or in the muck. So that's the only caveat I'd say about looking at your hands too early. You got to make sure you are consistent with your actions so that nobody can pick up um, what your potential response is going to be. Yep, I like that. So those were kind of the the tricks and um, tips that came up. Uh, other, otherwise, just like know where the bathrooms are. We've talked about that before. Uh, you know, get familiar with the with the location and the setup and where everything is where you're going to need it. Um, I stayed this time I stayed at the horseshoe for the second week, which was really convenient because you're already in the building. 
You don't even have to cross a street to get there. You don't have to go outside where there's no air conditioning. <laughs> um, and you can like even make it back to your room on break if you want to use your own bathroom or something like that. If you want to get some cold water out of the fridge, uh, you know, you can take the elevator right down to the food court in the morning um, if, you, if that's where you like to get breakfast. I just thought that was um, super convenient. I've stayed at the Flamingo before, which is right across the street. And that's also very convenient. Um, they generally give good rates there. Some of the Flamingo rooms are a little run down, but they renovated a bunch of them. And I stayed at the Link uh, for the first week of my trip. And the Link's a little further away, but you basically just cross a little courtyard and then you're in the Flamingo. And then you just walk through the Flamingo and you cross that street again. So I'd say that was that was also convenient. Um, so I used the uh, monorail while I was there. Oh, yeah. 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 I actually found that useful once you know where the stations are. <laughs> yes. When I first decided, okay, I'm going to do the monorail, it it's, yeah, it's it's a bit of a trek to really find it. Uh, but once you, once you do finally find it, then then it is pretty convenient, you know, yeah. as long as it. You, where you want to go is on the on the route, which the horseshoe is. Yeah, the horseshoe is the MGM Grand is. I think uh, Sahara is like they for the strip stuff. It is safe. I took it a few times on this trip, just where it was so hot outside. I had to lug stuff around like merch for the uh, meetup game. Um, I didn't really like to go through that. So like five fifty for a monorail ticket felt felt pretty good. And uh, I, yeah, I also found that was pretty easy. So I'd encourage people to do that. Um, shout out to uh, Doug Barons, who was my roommate at the uh, Horseshoe. We had a fantastic time. It's typical of these events. Like you hardly ever see anybody down there because you're just uh, playing until you bust. And then if you're me, usually it's early enough in the day, you can still go get on a cash game list uh, and go have some fun over there. Um so we we tried to do like breakfast. So we had a few people show up for a rec poker breakfast. That was super fun. Um, and we had uh, our rec poker meetup game, which I guess we can get into next, which is great. Um, oh, and, and of course, I should say shout out to uh, Taylor Moss, uh, who was my roommate for the first week at the link and the mastermind behind the rec poker vlog, um, which was super fun. And Taylor did all the heavy lifting. But if people want to get a sense of like the color of what the trip was like, if you go to our YouTube channel, there is a uh, rec poker vlog playlist with um, five episodes from that first week that Taylor put oh, together. Those were great. Thanks, Taylor man. Taylor did was, a great, great he job. He really did. We, no, he did. We had job. a, back when I was, my kid was pretty young and he had a neighbor kid. We called him Too Slow Tommy <laughs> because whenever his parents would call and say, it's time to come home, it would take him forever to put his <laughs> shoes on. We oh, no. Oh, what was no. going on? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm thinking maybe he got taught by the same person who taught you. <laughs> I think that must be it. That must have been what happened. Yeah. I, I take a long time to tie my shoes. Those shoes were very new. So, And I want to go. Uh, let's be honest about this. Taylor did not tell me that he was recording that. I had no idea that was going into the show until after. I told him, like, Oh, sorry, I got new shoes. My, my Mrs. Bluffsterini got me these new shoes for the trip, and they're very stiff, and the laces aren't worked in yet. So you have to like tighten each one row by row. Um, but I, I, I do take a long time to tie my shoes. I eventually did get the little like rubber inserts that you just put in, and now they're now they're slip-ons. Thank God. 
Okay, can you imagine being behind me at the airport in the security line? Oh my uh, god. Right? Yeah, Rob, thank you. TSA pre-check. I'll just say that. TSA pre-check. Someone get this guy a Nexus card. Oh, good lord. <laughs> yeah. But those those were super fun. So mad uh mad respect for for Taylor for putting that together. And um yeah, Phil in the Phil, I, I'm glad Phil enjoyed the blog because uh we came at Phil uh pretty hard in one of those as well. But it was all in good fun and I knew he would take it uh like a champ, but she did. Um so I had one hand from the monster maker, but or from the monster stack, but I think we'll save that for the forums edition because that we can really talk about the hand there. Um, but I want to talk about the rec poker meetup game at the MGM Grand. Uh, that was spectacular. It was great to get some people. We had, we got some uh, poker news folks down there. We got some 100K Studios folks down there. We got some folks from Poker.org, uh, a bunch of rec poker members, some previous guests. Um, some uh, so I think we had an Australian. Talk about people coming in um, from all the way across town, ar- around the world. Um, Jim Langford was there from Australia. It was nice to meet him finally. Um, Rob Adsom, uh, Kim Kilroy and Stewie, uh, Carriage. I'm gonna I'm gonna forget a few people, but Chad. um Lori, yeah, sorry. Chad, oh, yeah, Chad, Chad Bean, of course, yeah. Uh Lori Ann Persinger and her husband Rick. <laughs> um, we had uh Sasha Sutton, um, who I think we're gonna be talking to more and more. Um, she it was really nice to make that connection with her in person. And um just and, and I think what I liked most about it was a lot of these players are more comfortable playing tournaments and they're not real familiar with cash, but they knew this was going to be like a, a friendly game where they could come and don't, dip a toe don't forget in. forget Jackie, and, Jackie Burkhart. Oh, yeah, Jackie. She, she made a special totally remembered. point. Totally remembered and made a special <laughs> point to show up. That's right. Jackie, if you're listening, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having r- the recreational poker cause fixed so firmly in your mind. That she moved he- he- uh, hell and high water to make sure that she would be there at that uh, meetup game that night. So it was so fun to see her face when I was like, Jackie! And she knew exactly what was going on and wasn't confused at all and sat down and uh, took some of our chips for the next couple hours. Is that how you remember it, Eric? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so that was fun. It was fun to get to know Jackie a little better. Uh, we'll be having her on the show uh, at some point, too. Um, super, super fun character. Um, so that was a good one. We gave away some prizes. Um, some people helped themselves to some prizes, uh, as you know, occasionally will happen when poker players get together in an unsupervised location. Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to thank uh, the Poker Oasis for donating some prizes, um, the charity series of poker, Run It Once, and also uh, Chris Fox Wallace donated uh, his new horse book, um, which was which was really cool. We got to uh, sell some Rec Poker merch. Some couple people walked away looking better than they ever had before. Eric, you got your hat finally after yes. all this time. The Kenny Pickett hat, which it will be known for infamy. Um, and uh, and then Eric and I had a hand. So this was one of the hands. I wish Chris Jones was here because it was one of these hands where there's a five on the flop. And immediately, like, everyone starts getting, like, tingles in the back of their mind. Like, what what's going on here? Um, but, Eric, you, 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 I think you made some notes. You might remember the action better than me. Uh, why don't you take us through it? And then, group, why don't we kind of do a little hand-ranging here? If, if anyone in the YouTube chat can guess what both the hands were before we announce, then I'll give away a great prize. Oh, oh you, want it, you want want us not to review 
let's Either let's hand. let's get okay. Let's, uh, well, let's see how it goes. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna reveal it at one point anyway before the okay. night's over. Okay, well, like, well, let's okay. see. Let's see. So we're six handed. It's uh, we had been playing. God, it was close to seven hours because it was like one a.m. Yeah. It was getting point. late. Yeah. One a.m. So uh, Jim opens to ten dollars the one three game. Ten dollars. It had been the standard standard open for him. So from the low jack, he opens ten, and uh, I choose just to flat uh, from the hijack. So I'm directly to the left of Jim uh, for ten dollars. Um, so uh, uh, folds around. Uh, everybody else folds. Yeah, everybody else folds, and so we go to the flop. Um, what? So there's twenty dollars in the middle, and uh, the flop is five of spades, four of diamonds, the four of clubs, and Jim. Here's an interesting. Thing. He does this little. Oh wow, that 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 flop would be hard to hit. I mean, it'd be hard to hit a set on that one. So he does a little speech play. And he bets $10, half pot. Seems pretty standard. I choose to call. So to the turn, it's the queen of clubs. Putting a possible flush draw. But again, it it, it started off with a paired board. Um, and here's you're going to have to help me with the betting i believe you bet like 25 maybe i think that's right just slightly slightly more than half there i think okay yeah so jim bets 25 it, it was 25 it was exactly yeah. 25 yeah. it was 25 yeah because i click it back to 50 oh so dirty <laughs> so dirty <laughs> yeah yeah um can't remember the timing but but jim did call i did call yeah. Then the river is the four of hearts. So the board is five of spades, four of diamonds, four of clubs, queen of clubs, four of hearts. So there are three fours on the board. Uh, Jim bets, I believe, 50. Yeah, 50 or 75. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, something like that. Okay. And then I do just above them in click. <laughs> I think I go one. I think I go one ten. Yeah, it was it was it was just above a min click, and then I and then I announced to the dealer, uh, "Player is all in," and moved the rest of my chips in, uh, which wasn't that much more than that at that. Yeah, point, it, was, it think, was. Yeah, I had I had Jim well covered because I had yeah. been. He's been sitting on my left for an hour. Yeah, he yeah, had I had been, been running really very well. Um, <laughs> so I looked at the board. Looked at the board, thought about the possible combos, and I end up calling. All right. So this is the spot where uh, Jim Gibson has made a spectacular guess in the YouTube chat already. Eric, why don't you announce what your hand was? Five of diamonds, the five of clubs. Of course it was. He had the Chris Jones, and he was just like, that min click on the turn Eric, when you click that back on the turn, I was like, he's doing the Chris Jones on me right now. It was so clear in my mind that you had pocket fives. Uh, um, and you're not going to. So so Jim Gibson guessed correctly. I'd opened ace four. And uh, that offsuit. Four, offsuit. offsuit. It, was, it was offsuit. It was offsuit. 
That's a horrible open. That is horrible, Jack. That's horrible. We're, I'd like to see your range chart, Jim. That's a, an acceptable yeah. open from the low jack on a six-handed you know, table. That is horrible, but it's actually stronger than I expected him to be. <laughs> so I got bailed out. I got bailed out on the river. The case one outer. One outer, literally a one outer. To get I did the, the I did the equities. You did the, <laughs> yeah. You ran that one. You ran that one in uh, in in the solver, Eric. <laughs> yeah, it it was uh, it was a pretty pretty special. Um, so Jim Gibson, you've been guessing all sorts of stuff, right? We got to get you some amazing prizes, sir. I know you're coming to Running Aces the, in August, so we'll but let me buy you dinner or something. Uh, you've been on fire lately in the Twitter guesses and on the pod on the podcast for sure. Um, Eric, what was I? What? How much equity did I have? Like on the river there? Did I have what was on the on the flop? You had four point six percent equity on the flop. <laughs> <laughs> on the turn, you had two point three percent on the turn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's why I just smooth called that that click back. You know, I really wanted to realize that equity. <laughs> but of course, you had hundred percent on the river. So, <laughs> so I mean, I, and and when you flipped it over, I thought I was like, oh shit, he has he has queens. <laughs> I'm right. like, right. And when you flipped it over, and I didn't see a queen, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> He does not have the fourth four. <laughs> oh, you you took it like a champ though. You you didn't get like disgruntled or like that's, you that's poker. It I, is. I've actually it is. I've actually yeah, there's there's value in just accepting it and moving on. It's true. Yep. Especially when it's amongst such good friends. You know. <laughs> Although people at the table's like, are you are you guys still friends? Are oh yeah, people were checking in. People like wanted to see how we were doing later because there was there was one other hand where I think I hit top set and you had an overpair where uh, uh, no no you cracked my aces with queens you hit I a did. set yeah yeah I only that you can ask Jamel I just I only play I only make I sets. know like, yes people he think is I'm a good like, poker player but I just make a you're lot of as sets. tall as I expected but way <laughs> luckier than I could have imagined <laughs> oh fantastic. So oh, let's let's go back to the turn. Was that where you said, "Oh, I know exactly what he's doing. He has pocket fives. and you call. still decided <laughs> yes, to call. I, did. I did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, that popular piece of advice. I, I was I was very very confident that that he had pocket fives. Um, but but I you never know like what part of you is just projecting that because it's Chris's favorite hand because we make all this fun about pocket fives. You know, I thought he could have had a worse four maybe, or he could have had like. Did a... you have any like liquid courage encouraging you as well? I did. Uh... I did. There was a lot of liquid curse. So we started that mix game. We started that meetup game at 6 p.m. And this was like seven hours in. And we were we were making quite merry, sir. Do they, uh, so based do they upon serve Grolsch there at MGM? They I, do not serve Grolsch. They don't oh, serve Grolsch like so. anywhere. 
So it was like Modelo or Corona or, you know, whatever else was, was popular at the time. But um, mm, you're going to put that so in a rider. Based upon expected value, Eric probably should have been able to pay off his house at the end of that <laughs> poker session. Yeah, yeah, but it yeah, doesn't yeah. seem like it quite went yeah. that way. Uh, no, we were talking about it. So Eric and I walked back to the horseshoe afterwards because, Eric, you were registering for, was it that, that seniors event the next day or something? Yeah. And I remember you were like, I think I actually played really well tonight. <laughs> I was like, you really did. Like, <laughs> how, what are the odds? Like of all the combos of hands to have in, in those hands, like those, it, that was, uh, yeah. This, that, and like you say, man, that's, that's poker, right? Um, so keep it up in the long term. You'll, you'll clean out the fish like me in no time. It, but, uh, it, it was a really great time. Actually, <laughs> it, it was, was, it was, it was a great time meeting everybody. Yeah. It was a fun game. Um, so yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. We had a good um, story. I have a good story. Yeah. And and you got the uh the compl- the complimentary hoodie out of that yes. deal, right? That was the the three hundred dollar free hoodie. <laughs> yes, three hundred dollar hoodie. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. So it was super fun. It was a great event. I, we're definitely gonna do that again. Um I think you know, we we have these tournament stops on our rec poker road trips. But I'm going to start making sure that we get at least one table set aside at these casinos for a cash game just for rec poker members, because other people wanted to join our table. They could see how much fun it was. But we had a waiting list for some people that might not be there yet. And a couple of the local grinders um, who play in Las Vegas full time, one of them said to me specifically, like, listen, man, I haven't had that much fun playing poker in years. Uh, And that just put a huge smile on my face because this is what it's all about. Right. Making poker fun, especially. if people are, you know, feeling trepidatious or, you know, they're, they're not used to it, they want to tip a toe in. Um, that's what Rec Poker is all about. So uh, that was that was fantastic. A great event. We'll, we'll be doing a lot more like that. Uh, Phil says the blog was great fun. That's awesome. Um, some guesses about mostly that I didn't have anything in that hand. Incorrect, sir. Uh, Gibber, when he put me on Ace 4, thought at least it would be suited. Yeah, Jim, come on. How long have you known me? um gibber yeah phil says jim buying dinner equals a half used peanut butter and jam sandwich uh that's not technically true but i understand where you're coming from and yeah gibber says iced teas are flowing i don't think i had a single long island iced tea on this trip but uh it it was just substituted there were plenty there were plenty beverages coming through so we didn't have to uh we didn't have to worry about that so uh i will just encourage folks again August 4th and 5th, Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, Mecca, as uh, our old man uh, Steve Fredlin likes to refer to it. Uh, I'll be there with some of these fantastic folks and a lot of other Rec Poker Premium members and community members. There's going to be a bunch of great prizes. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think if you have a player's card, you can get a discount at the hotel. So come and stay for the weekend and join us for breakfast or for some of these social events like I mentioned we'll be having. Um, That'll be a lot of fun. So I think uh, unless there's anything else from the World Series that we want to cover, we should probably go over some home game results and give away a prize in our food bank uh, raffle tonight. So, folks, at every show, we like to give away a prize to raise awareness for uh, the plight of food insecurity. Food insecurity is something that exists on a spectrum. And uh, one great way to combat it is if you just pull out your phone right now and Google food bank near me. 
you oh there's the shot eric's got the background in his, his if you're on youtube you can see the background of all the chips in the middle and the ace four offsuits right out there yeah. just wasn't meant to be just wasn't meant to be I, now i want to know the smart ass response that chris jones is going to give you um eric when you tell him about the hand he's going to say something like oh no you played it wrong on the river you know, you're supposed to play pocket fives in such a way where you don't get outdrawn on the river. That'll be like his response or something like that. You guys, such a <laughs> such a jerk. Um, so yeah, so uh, uh, Google food banks near me. You'll find a place that um, you can support either with a few dollars, a few hours of your time, or uh, a non-perishable food item. Um, you'll you might be surprised who needs help. They might be in your neighborhood. They might be in your community. And a great way to help folks is uh, by donating to your local food bank. So if you type the words food bank into the chat right here, um, as soon as John Somsky goes through some recent home game results, we'll roll a die and see who the winner of a fantastic prize is going to be this week. Uh, in the meantime, John Somsky, what's going on in home game land? Well, we can start with J JBT Twin Cities or JB Twin ah. Cities. Uh, she got her first nightly victory for the year. Way to go, JB. Bot Colin Conlon, hmm. Daniel Kennedy got his second nightly victory for the year. Nice, Dan. And Hot Rod Bunny got his or her first nightly victory for the year. The Cisco Kid, 27, Charles Smith got his first nightly victory for the year. Right on. Isma got his second nightly Spike. victory for the year. And then Evil Roy CA. Cannot David Westerveld got his fourth nightly victory for the year. Dave doing and Dave things. Doing Dave things. I saw that. Yeah, yep. exactly. Well, and this was his 56th victory. However, earlier that day, matter of fact, at the 8 a.m. national international event, David Westerveld got his third international victory oh for my. the year and his 55th lifetime so wow. now he's at 56 lifetime victories he's six um silver lifetime achievement award and it's just still going gang busters he's still feeling that fire good for you dave extremely impressive then we have jasper jr pat berry got his nice. third international victory for the year and because I went out of order, Poker Geek MN John Somsky got his second mix, daily mixed victory for the year. Then John Lancer, thank you, uh, got won the LPP event. So he can contact G info at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. That's right, John Lancer. Congratulations. Send that email info at rec.poker. We'll set you up with a free month at Learn Pro Poker. You're going to love it there. And um, I, I am a little, <laughs> I laugh every time I say this. Now, I have been in Vegas for the better part of the last few weeks. So I probably have not gotten back to a few people if you've reached out over that time. Phil, I know, for instance, you won the role like three weeks ago. So while it's true that this is just a scam to get your email address in particular, um, I am going to make sure I get back to all the real winners and make sure that they get their uh, prizes this week. So uh, John Lancer, send that email info at rec.poker and we'll get you all sorted out. Um, oh, there's the shot. There's the angle. Look at that. There, there. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see, yeah, Eric's Eric wishes he could block that ace four out of existence. But yeah, that's how it looked. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. A beautiful, beautiful thing. It sure was. Yeah. Um, John, congratulations on your win. Um, I'm glad that you're still 
dipping a toe into these and finding your way to the finish line. It hasn't become such a, this is like three years of running our home game club and you still find yourself uh, titillated and amused. Is that, that's gotta be a good sign. I think. Yeah. I still enjoy playing. Uh, I wish I win more, but I still enjoy <laughs> playing. Hey, it's the toughest free poker uh, home game in the world. Uh, yep, I mean, it I is, it's a tough game. It's it really tough to win. It is a tough game. I play um, it two I, or three times a week at least, and I haven't been, you know, I've only hit the winner's circle twice this year. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. And and folks, um, remember on Tuesday nights, every Tuesday night in July, all you have to do is play in our Play Money Home Game uh, League like you would normally, and you'll be accumulating points towards the 100K leaderboard contest. So um, this is your last month. This is the last chance you get a chance to do this. Uh, if you have the most points out of our league on Tuesday nights in July, you'll win your way into a qualifying tournament the following weekend where you can win a $1,000 entry into a, a run good event, a live run good event sometime later this summer. So uh, don't snooze on that. If you're only going to play one night a week, join me in the OPA on Tuesday nights. Uh, it's always a fun group in there. We have a great time uh, while we're playing. And you can win some real prizes, just like on a, on a Sunday night tournament, um, winning that LPP prize. And I want to give a big shout out to Eric Romo. I missed the last couple pods live, but I've been catching up as they've come out on the air. Did I hear correctly that he had a three-peat uh, yep. last week? Three in a row. I, wow. To the best of my knowledge, I don't believe that has ever happened. No, I think that's the first time. So hugely, uh, hugely impressed by that. Way to go. Eric uh, Romo goes by GF Hawk, I think, in the uh, home game club. So congratulations to you, sir. And uh, thanks for continuing to be um, a longtime premium member and uh, for for your support. And folks, if you're enjoying the show, um, nothing would make us happier. Give premium membership a try. If you use the code Rec Poker, it only costs you five bucks for your first month. I guarantee you you're going to find more than $5 worth of value in our premium membership materials. So, um, And even if you never get involved, it's a really nice way to support the show, um, to let us know that you appreciate what we're doing. And um, I, you know, it's, it helps me buy John Somsky a cup of coffee uh, about once a quarter <laughs> <laughs> for all his help in the home game club. So uh, please, please don't hesitate. If it's crossed your mind, um, it's always a good time to, uh, to help us out by giving premium membership a try. Uh, use the code Rec Poker and get your first month for only five bucks. Okay, so I see three people here in the food bank drive. I'm going to roll a six sider. Chris's least favorite die. Uh, Phil, the RRRCCC, and then Luke O. Uh, let's see who the winner is this week. It's a two. That makes it Phil. Okay, Phil, that means that you've got two prizes coming to you. Only one of them is going to be a half-eaten peanut butter and jam sandwich. Oh, wait, no, Joe got in. Joe got in there at right at the last second. I think we should probably re-roll just, just to collect more filled tiers. Well, and so you didn't really specify. There were three players in. Yes. And it was a six-sider. That's what you, I, you did not say. Did I not say out loud? Okay. Okay. No, you, you didn't then, say how you were if it was one, two, three and four, five, six is a re-roll, or yep. if the three people get the two consecutive numbers You're or right. you do one and four or I, I'd hate for there to be any controversy or like concern <laughs> about bamboo. Too late. So we should just we'll just start over. 
Um, as Joe Raptor, yeah, thank you for, for that. Injury. You'll be you'll be fourth here, so we'll try this one again. Uh, <laughs> Phil is being really nice though. He says being a Rec Poker Premium member is the greatest achievement of my life. Phil, that's kind of you to say, but I I don't think that's even true. I think you've got you've got you haven't peaked yet, my friend. I can't wait to see what that turns out to be. Okay, if I roll, I hope I roll a one for Phil here because he deserves it. Um, but if I don't, I mean, you know, couldn't happen to a worse guy. Let's see what we get. It's a two. It's a two again, which means the RRRCCC, um, who has won before. So congratulations. All right. Tell you what. The RRRCCC, send that email, info at rec.poker. You're going to win a prize. And Phil, you know what? Send the email. We're going to take care of you, Phil. Uh, it just seems it seems wrong not to. Uh, we did roll it earlier. I could get out of it. John Somsky made a really good point. But... We're just, I'm just so happy to be home. I'm like overflowing with generosity and love here. Let's give a couple, let's give two prizes away this week. I think that's the right way to handle it. All right. Well, then I guess uh, I got to thank the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack Casino for their support over the years, our fantastic sponsor. We couldn't do it without you. I'm really looking forward to getting over there later this month. Um, John, Rob, Eric, is there anything else we should uh, add to the show before we roll on out of here? Doesn't look like it, so I'll see some of you in the forums edition. And and I will say, if you're watching this live, if you're a premium member, you're welcome to join the forums edition right after this. Uh, it, it happens over Zoom. There's a link on the website calendar. Go check it out. We're going to be talking about a hand from the Monster Stack in this year's WSOP. Um, but thank you to Rob, Eric, and John. Uh, thank you to Taylor and Doug for being my roommates. Thank you to everyone who made the WSOP as much fun as they did. And thank you to you, uh, the listeners. You make it all happen. So we'll see you next week. Everybody. All right.